Podcast disclaimer. For all of those students studying this lesson through one of our podcast outlets, while podcasts are effective for training on the go, we believe the best way to study aviation is through visual learning. That being said, it may be beneficial to study this lesson through our video presentations at wifi.cfi.com to experience the visual representations for deeper understanding. Thanks for studying with us. Wi-Fi CFI. Hello students and welcome to our 14 CFR and publications lesson by Wi-Fi CFI. In today's lesson, we're going to be covering what 14 CFR is and the different FAA-approved publications that you can find information in. That way, if you ever have questions on where to find information for a particular subject or a particular topic, you know which FAA publication to search in to find the correct answer to your question. So we're going to be covering things such as CFR, the FAR, AIM, the uh, NTSB Part 830 Advisory Circulars, the ACS, the Airman Certification Standards, the POH, which is the Pilot Operating Handbook, and the FAA Handbook. So there's going to be a bunch of those that we're going to go over, the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge and the Airplane Flying Handbook, and so on and so forth. It'll be about 20 to 25 minutes between this presentation and then the quiz back on wifi.cfi.com afterwards. And the sources are obviously all of these FAA publications that you can see here on the left, the CFR, FAR, AIM, NTSB. We're going to be using all of these FAA-approved sources today as we go through this lesson. Let's start with 14 CFR. So what does CFR stand for? It stands for the Code of Federal Regulations. Now this large book of codes contains the rules and regulations for all different aspects of United States law. It doesn't just deal with aviation and air travel or flight training, and it's not just the FAR part of the FAR AIM book that a lot of pilots have. Okay, A lot of pilots and flight instructors have this FAR AIM book. That FAR AIM book is a very, very small section of the CFR. Okay, the CFR, the Code of Federal, the Code, sorry, of Federal Regulations, contains all of the codes for United States law. Section 14 of these codes is what deals with aviation and air travel. So that's why it's called 14 CFR. It's Section 14 of the Code of Federal Regulations, and it deals with aviation and air travel. So the FAR are certain chapters of 14 CFR. So if we're breaking it down, CFR is the biggest chunk, right? There are certain sections of uh, the CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations. The ones that deal with aviation and air travel are section 14. And then below that, the ones that deal with pilots, pilot certification and general rules for flying are contained in the book called the FAR or the Federal Aviation Regulations. And that's the book that you'll see pilots and flight instructors walking around carrying. So the FAR is a very small section of section 14, and section 14 is a very small section of the Code of Federal Regulations. Other things in 14 CFR include, uh, there's stuff for mechanics that are not included in the FAR, there's stuff for airports and airport managers that are not included in the FAR. So the things in the Federal Aviation Regulations book, this one that you can see here on the screen, are those things that are pertinent and particular to pilots and to flight training. In part one of the Federal Aviation Regulations, we have definitions, abbreviations, and symbols. In part 61, we have the certification of pilots and flight instructors. So if you open up this FAR book and you go to chapter 61 of this book here, 
you'll see all the requirements that a person needs to meet to get their private pilot license, for example, or their instrument rating or their commercial pilot license and so on and so forth. So part 61 talks about those hours, those eligibility requirements, passing the knowledge test, passing the check write exams, and the different endorsements that are required to, to obtain a certain license or rating. In part 91, we have the general flight rules, and these are rules that apply to all pilots and aircraft in the sky. So everybody that's up flying, all pilots and aircraft have to follow the rules of part 91. One way to remember the difference between what's found in part 61 of the FARS and part 91 is you can think of it like this. Part 61 is how you get your license and part 91 is how you lose your license. So in other words, again, part 61's got all the rules for getting your license, all the hours you got to meet, everything like that. Part 91, how you lose your license. What we're talking about there is these are the rules that if you break, you could lose your license. Now, obviously that's being over dramatic okay at times that doesn't necessarily mean that if you break any rule in part 91 that you're going to lose your license it's a case-by-case -case basis that the fa reviews anyways so on and so forth i'm getting off track here but just think of it as part 61 is how you get your license part 91 is all the general rules that we need to follow so that we don't lose the license that we've obtained and then part 141 deals with requirements for faa approved flight school so there's two different kinds of faa approved flight schools we're going to go over that in a different lesson but part 141 is all the requirements for FAA approved flight schools. There are a couple of other parts of the FAR that I have not included here in this presentation just because they don't apply to what we're talking about in flight training here necessarily. There's part 135, which deals with charter operations, and part 121, which deals with airline transport operations. So those part 135 and part 121 rules are in addition to the part 91 rules but if you're not flying charter which you're probably not yet since you're studying to get your licenses and if you're not in the airlines they don't apply to you yet that's why i haven't included them in this presentation but you will see them in the far book so there are some subparts of part 61 remember this is how you get your license subpart a is general requirements for getting a pilot license Subpart B is aircraft ratings and pilot authorizations. Subpart C are rules and regulations to get a student pilot license and rules for student pilots. Subpart D is certifying recreational pilots, so all the hours and the eligibility and the tests that a person needs to pass in order to get their recreational pilot license. Then subpart E, we've got private pilots, same thing. F, commercial pilots, so on and so forth. G is airline transport pilots and subpart H, is certifying flight instructor. So when you open up to part 61, you can jump to one of these different subparts or subchapters and see what's required to get a particular license or rating. If you wanna get your private pilot license, you go to subpart E and you can look through all the hours, the age requirements, and all of those different things. Part 91, again, how to lose your license. Talked about that. There are some subparts here. So subpart A is just general flight rules. Subpart B are VFR and IFR flight specific rules. Subpart C, instrument, equipment, and certificates. D is special flight operations. And subpart E is maintenance and preventative maintenance. So if you have questions on any of these things, the rules that you need to follow, whether you're flying VFR, IFR, what kind of equipment you can use, just kind of general rules, those are gonna be found in part 91 of the FARS. Next, we need to talk about how the FAR is revised and updated. So the federal aviation regulations are updated on a yearly basis by the FAA. 
when the FAA revises portions of the FAR from the previous version, so say you've got a, uh, it's 2021 now, so say you've got a 2020 FAR and then they put out a brand new one, a 2021 FAR, and they've changed some things between the 2020 version and the 2021 version, they actually alert you to those changes that have been made. Now, the, ma the vast majority of the regulations aren't gonna change year by year, but they will change language here and there between the different publications as they see fit. When they do that, they're going to put a little black bar, if you can see here on my screen, kind of right above my picture, there's a little black bar next to the text, next to this paragraph. And then you can see on the rest of the page, there's no black bars anywhere. This black bar right here is telling you that something in these paragraphs, some wording in these paragraphs has changed, been removed, or added from the previous version of the FAR. So from last year's version, something in this paragraph changed. If you don't see any bars next to the paragraph, that means it's the, the exact same language as the previous year, the previous edition. So that's how they can alert you to the things that they've changed from year to year as they adjust the language in this publication. Next, we're going to jump into the Aeronautical Information Manual. Now, as you can see from the book here, the FAR AIM, okay, they're usually combined both in the one publication, I guess you say, into one book. You're going to have the first part of the book is going to be the Federal Aviation Regulations, and then you can see it says slash AIM. That stands for the Aeronautical Information Manual. And this publication is included in the same book, but it's going to be at the back or after all of the different rules. So after that uh, part 61, part 91, and all the different rules for pilots, you're going to find the Aeronautical Information Manual. It includes many topics of information that are helpful for pilots to understand and study and sections of the AIM include all of these different things you can see here on the left. I mean, I could go through and read all of them, but you can also just pause this video or go through the other study methods or even just open up the AIM and look at it. Um, but it's a whole bunch of different things for you to study and understand, such as air navigation, lighting aids, airspace, all that different kinds of stuff. The pilot controller glossary at the end, really important information in the aeronautical information manual. Then we have NTSB Part 830. Now, what is this? This deals with the rules and regulations for reporting and dealing with aircraft accidents and incidents. This small part is also contained in the FAR AIM. So this NTSB is contained in the FAR AIM, usually between the FAR and the AIM. So the FAR will end, where all the federal aviation regulations are, where it ends and before the aeronautical information manual begins, there's a small sliver of just a few pages. I can't even remember how many. It might be seven, six, seven, eight pages. It's not very much. Right in between those two publications. And this is called NTSB 830. NTSB stands for the National Transportation Safety Board. And it contains just in those very small pages, those very few pages between these two publications, it contains all the things that we need to do as pilots if we have an accident or an incident in our aircraft. It talks about what to do with the records of the airplane, what to do with the wreckage of the airplane, when you need to report certain accidents and incidents, certain accidents and incidents that you don't need to report. All of that information is in that slim section called NTSB Part 830. Then we have advisory circulars. These are usually shortened to ACs. ACs are additional information articles published by the FAA outside of the FAR AIM. They include important study information for pilots 
and include things such as weather, pilot endorsements, carburetor icing, uh, aircraft procedures, inoperative equipment, and a lot more. In other words, if the FAA ever wants to expand the knowledge on a particular topic that they think pilots should understand, they'll put out an advisory circular with expanded information to understand whatever it is. Now, I've just listed a couple examples of advisory circulars here that we just went through, but there are a lot. There's a whole bunch of advisory circulars and they can all be found and studied, printed and everything like that for free on the FAA's website. So these are very helpful. We'll use quite a few of these advisory circulars as we go through the lessons here on Wi-Fi CFI. We'll be picking information out of different ones and using it to teach and to study. Then we have the Airman Certification Standards or the ACS. The Airman Certification Standards set forth the standards a pilot must perform to in order to achieve a particular pilot license or rating. And they look like this, these publications here. So when you're going to get your private pilot license or you're going to get your instrument rating or wh whatever it may be, maybe it's your flight instructor certificate, there's an ACS for those things. In other words, the FAA has said on your test, you need to perform these different ground schools topics and these different flight maneuvers. And you have to perform them to these particular standards in order to pass. It's essentially a guideline that the FAA gives to check right examiners. So the check right examiners can see, okay, I need to quiz. We're doing a private pilot check right, for example, I need to quiz the student on cross country flight planning. I need to give them scenarios on cross country flight planning and they need to perform it to this standard. Or we're gonna take off, we're gonna go on our flight and the student needs to perform steep turns to these standards, okay? So this is a very important, I should say these are very important publications to understand and go through even towards the beginning of your flight training so that you know how well you need to perform on your test to pass so that you don't fail, obviously. If you don't know how well you need to perform, then poor performance may seem like good performance, okay? So these are important. We're gonna break these ACS down here over the next couple of slides. There are a bunch of different tasks within the ACS, okay? And within each of those tasks, like I said, steep turns would be considered a task, uh, cross-country flight planning, aeromedical factors. These are all different tasks or things that you'll have to perform on your checkride. They're broken down like so. You're gonna have the name of the task. So the example that we have here on the right is power on stalls, that's the name. You're gonna have FAA publication references right underneath it. So you can see FAA handbook 8083-2, FAA Handbook 8083-3, Advisory Circular 6167, and the POH slash AFM. What these references are telling you is that if you want to study more on power on stalls, you can go find information in these books. And these are all books that we're going to talk about in a minute. Okay. Then we have the objective of the task. So that's the next box here. It'll tell you why the FAA wants you to perform this. You have the associated knowledge areas. So here's all of the knowledge things that you need to understand in your head. You have associated skills areas. This is how well you have to be able to perform the maneuver in order to pass it on your check ride. And associated risk management areas are down here at the bottom. Things to look for as far as risk management goes. Each different task is broken down in this same format, whether it's power on stalls, steep turns, uh, slow flight, takeoffs and landings, like I said, air medical factors, they're all broken down just like this so that you know how well you need to perform and it also gives you references on where to study the different materials. 
Let's talk about one of the more confusing parts of the Airman Certification Standards. It's called the Additional Rating Task Table. If a pilot wishes to add an additional rating to an existing pilot certificate, he or she may not need to complete all of the ACS tasks associated with acquiring the original certificate. In other words, certain tasks can be omitted. So say you've got your, actually let's just do this example we're doing here. Let's say that we have already got our private pilot airplane multi-engine land license. So for whatever reason, I know this isn't common, but we're just going to use this for our example. But for whatever reason, I went through and I got my private pilot license in a multi-engine airplane first. That was, I didn't get in a single airplane, in a single engine airplane first. I got it in a multi-engine airplane first. And that's totally fine. Like I said, it's pretty rare. You might not hear about that very often, but it's legal and it's something that you can do. Okay. So I did that. Now I want to go back and I want to add on an airplane single engine land rating. Okay. So I already have a private pilot license. So we're looking right here. The top of this says, if you want to add an airplane single engine land rating to an existing private pilot certificate. Okay. I've got a private pilot certificate. I've got my private airplane multi-engine land license. Now I want to get my private pilot airplane single engine land. Okay. So this is how we're going to run this chart. We're going to come down here and it's going to say, well, which private pilot rating do you hold? We hold private pilot airplane multi-engine land. So that's why that's highlighted there. Then it's going to say, here's all the different areas of operation of the ACS. So you got areas of operation one, two, three, so on and so forth. And if you hold airplane multi-engine land, these are the tasks that you're going to need to do in these different sections of the ACS on your check ride to get your airplane single engine land rating. In other words, in section one or area of operation one of the ACS, we only have to do tasks F and G because we did the other tasks already satisfactorily when we got our airplane multi-engine land license, the first one that we got. So we don't need to do A, B, C, D, or E. We just have to do F and G. In area of operation number two, we only have to do task D, so we can forget A, B, and C. We don't have to do any of the tasks that are listed in, op in area of operation three. In operation four, we gotta do A, B, C, D, E, F, and then none, 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 none. So you can see how this works. So if you're like, I've already got my airplane multi-engine land license, I wanna add an airplane single engine land to it, you don't have to redo that entire full process, full board check ride again. You can come to this additional rating task table, which is in the ACS, and you can go through, look at the areas of operation, and then the tasks that will be required of you to get an additional rating. That's why it's called the additional rating task table. Moving on now to the pilot operating handbook, the POH. The POH contains all of the information needed for a pilot to safely operate a particular type of aircraft. So this is aircraft specific. It's tail number specific, serial number specific, okay? So just because you have a Cessna 172 POH, that does not mean it applies to a Cessna 152. And it's it's specific for the serial number of your aircraft, all right? So you gotta know the serial number of your aircraft, make sure you've got the right POH. The POH or the Pilot Operating Handbook has to be on board the aircraft at all times for any flight operation. So if you're gonna study it and you take it out of the airplane, make sure somebody else doesn't go fly the airplane while you're sitting on the ground looking at the POH. Or make sure that you put it back into your airplane before you go and fly because it is mandatory that this book is on board. 
Again, it's specific to your airplane. It's like your car's owner's manual, essentially is what it is. It's very similar to that. And every POH is laid out in the same format. Chapter one is always general information about the aircraft. Chapter two is limitations. Chapter three is emergency procedures. Those are emergency checklists. Chapter four is normal procedures and normal checklists. In chapter five, you're gonna find performance data and the performance charts. In chapter six, you're gonna find weight and balance data and charts. Chapter seven is the aircraft systems information. Chapter eight is handling service and maintenance. And chapter nine is supplemental information, anything else that they want you to know about the airplane. So what's really nice about the pilot operating handbook is that it's a standardized book. And you can always know, okay, I need to look at an emergency checklist for a particular maybe emergency scenario you're going for. It's gonna be in section three or chapter three of the pilot operating handbook. If you're looking for weight and balance information, chapter six, it doesn't matter which POH you're looking at, they're all laid out in the same format. It makes it really nice for us as pilots if we're flying different types of aircraft. This book will be very important for you to understand how to use it, find information in it, and study it prior to any of your check rides because the checkride examiners are gonna to wanna to know that you understand how to operate the airplane that you're flying on your checkride. Now on to the PHAC, the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge. This is one of the FAA publications. This is the first one, I guess, that we're gonna go ahead and talk about here and all the different kinds of information. These are like the study books. These are books that are published by the FAA for students to study. And you're gonna see these next few books here, we reference many, many, many times in our Wi-Fi CFI lessons. The first one is the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge. And it has all of these different chapters, all of these different things. The best way I know how to describe this, instead of just reading the heading of each of these chapters to you, the chapter name to you, the best way I know how to describe this is that if you're looking for something that should be understood on the ground, so not in the airplane, like we need to understand these topics on the ground, you're gonna be looking in the PHAC or the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge. All right, so things such as aerodynamics, you're not learning about aerodynamics while you're up in the airplane, okay? Those are things you wanna learn about on the ground and then apply them when you're in, there in the airplane, but you wanna learn about them on the ground. Weight and balance, uh, weather theory, aviation, weather services, airspace, navigation, all of these things are ground school type subjects. Yeah. So if it's not a flight maneuver and it's not something you should be learning while you're in the airplane, it's most likely gonna be found in the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge. Now, the next book that we have is the airplane flying handbook. This is just the opposite of that, of the PHAC. These are all the things that we need to understand in the plane. So this is gonna be talking about basic flight maneuvers. These are all the different flight maneuvers, right? Takes off and departure climbs, ground reference maneuvers, how to do approaches and landings, how to fly at night, how to fly complex airplanes or multi-engine airplanes. If it's about flying the actual airplane and performing maneuvers in the aircraft, it's gonna be found in the airplane flying handbook. If it's, so to recap, if it's ground school stuff, you're looking in the PHAC. If it's flying stuff, you're looking in the airplane flying handbook. And that's where all these maneuvers and they got all the pictures and descriptions and everything like that in this book. Next, we have the instrument flying handbook, pretty self-explanatory. This is everything to do with flying in instrument conditions. If you're working on your instrument rating or your CFII, this is where you're gonna spend a lot of your time studying approaches and departures and en route procedures, all those different things in the instrument flying handbook.
Then we've got the risk management handbook. Again, pretty self-explanatory. Talks all about risk, defining risk. And we use this book quite a bit in our risk management lessons at the beginning of the course. This is where we got a lot of our information right here with the identifying hazards and mitigating risks, the ADM, the SRM, all those little tools, mnemonics and memory aids are from the risk management handbook. And then we've got the aircraft weight and balance handbook. Now this handbook can get kind of complicated at times. However, it does have some good information. It talks about how weight and balance control, weight and balance theory, how to do weight and balance computations and whatnot. It does have some pretty complex computations and whatnot in here that aren't used that often by pilots. They're more used by mechanics um, to weigh the aircraft and to make sure the balance and everything is right. So it may not be totally necessary that you read through and understand this entire book. There's only probably certain sections that you're going to want to know. That would be, you know, chapter one, weight and balance control, chapter two, weight and balance theory, uh, chapter seven, center of gravity changes, single engine aircraft computation. So there's a few different chapters in here that have really good information for us as pilots. And some of it is really geared more towards mechanics and knowing how to do certain weight and balance things. And lastly, we have the aviation instructor's handbook when you're working on your flight instructor ratings. This aviation instructor's handbook teaches you all of the psychology type things that you need to know in order to be a good instructor. So you're not just a good pilot now, and you don't just know piloting stuff, but you can portray your knowledge to your students. And that's in the aviation instructor's handbook, which we'll use in the fundamentals of instructions lessons in our CFI, CFII, and multi-engine courses. So that is it for this lesson, guys. In this lesson, we covered the different FAA publications you'll use to study during your flight training and where to find information. The reason this lesson is so important is because if you are on your checkride or even past your checkride, you, you're past your checkride, you've got your private pilot license or you've got whatever license you were out to obtain, you now know where you can go and find different information whenever you have a question. Again, on your checkride, if a checkride examiner asks you, hey, what's the answer to this question? And you don't necessarily know the answer, know where to find the answer. Because if you can go and find it in an FA approved publication, not just going and Googling it, you know, throwing it in a Google and just picking the first article that pops up, that doesn't work. You have to find it in an FA approved publication, one of the publications that we just went through on this lesson. So this is an invaluable lesson. I know it seems like we didn't get in depth into these things, but that's what the next lessons in Wi-Fi CFI are for. We're going to get very in-depth into these things. But for now, we just need to know where they're found so that if we ever have questions, we can get to the right source and get the right answer. You can now head over and take the lesson quiz on Wi-Fi CFI. And again, whatever email address you put here in the second box, will get a emailed copy of your quiz scores, the questions you got right and wrong so that you can have that for your records. You can even put your email address in there, or if you want to send this quiz to your flight instructor, go ahead and put their email address in that bottom box. So thanks for joining us on this lesson, guys, and we will see you on the next one soon.